Hey, welcome to Creda Talks. Uh, today we have with us Ajay Menon, who is the founder for Forza India, amongst other things which we will talk about. Uh, welcome to the show, Ajay. Thanks, man. Thanks for inviting us. And uh, as we were discussing just off the camera, I think this is a new novel doing a Zoom meeting. So really psyched to be here. Oh yes, it is, isn't it? And I mean, everything's moving online nowadays, right? And it, 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 I, for me, I think, I think it comes at the right time because uh, everybody's been looking at creating digital assets, and because of yep. what's happening right now, I feel it's important and it's given that fill-up that a lot of people were waiting for. So for me, I think it's a good thing. Absolutely, man. I think uh, now even the traditional companies that were uh, against technology have been, you know, forced to use technology because. That's the only thing uh, that's, that's that's running now, and I think work from home is is going to become the the new normal. Five day weeks, or you know, maybe even less of four day weeks, and working from home uh, is going to be the new normal. So, True. yeah, I mean, that's that's a positive aspect. Hmm. All right, Ajay. Um, so before I start off with uh, discussing entrepreneurship and football, right? Like, I want to understand what got you to football in the first place. Well, uh, football has always been a passion. Uh, I think the first time I actually saw the sport was during the '98 World Cup, and it was the final between uh, France and Brazil. And uh, Ronaldo missing the final, or was he going to play? Uh, you know, was he not going to play because of the illness? So that really caught my eye. But uh, I was way too young to understand it. 2002 is when uh, you know I watched a World Cup, um, the entire tournament, and we started playing football in our society ground, like during. When we grew up, we were lucky enough that we had a community ground where we used to play a lot of cricket but um, and football during the rains. But 2002 onwards, uh, football became you know an everyday sport for us, and that really, really you know drew me towards the sport. And of course, playing a lot of uh, PlayStation back then, uh, you know, that also helped in uh, understanding the game and falling, becoming a fan of the sport. And I think uh, I, I became an AS Roma fan, which is why you can see the colors here. So I think after 2004, 2005, I've not missed a single uh, Roma game. So football was was the passion. I did my undergrads in biotechnology, and I wanted to pursue sports management in 2008, uh, 2007, 2008. But uh, it was not considered as a career option, a valid career option. So uh, I eventually had to do my uh, masters in business administration, so MBA, and uh, it took me ten years uh, in the corporate world before I said, you know, enough is enough. Now, now is the time to jump in. I, I just turned thirty two years ago, and I was like, I'm going to do this now. It's now or never. So that's what brought me to football. That's actually very really interesting to hear because so I had a very similar trajectory, right? So um, I started off doing advertising, and I always wanted to get into sports, but it took me like almost a decade finally get into this and I think you've been an entrepreneur I've been an entrepreneur and uh, you hit a very interesting uh, point right where you said it's not like sports in general is not uh, considered a viable career right so how important do you think it is for like for people to have a supportive uh, I wouldn't just say family I would say a supportive background in general like people around them that support them that can push people towards not just entrepreneuring in sports right just like pushing people towards sports, how, how important is it, do you think? I think it's, it's really, really crucial to have that open mindset. And, uh, you know, having having spent now two years in, in uh, the grassroots football industry, I see that there's a small uh, change happening that probably didn't exist during our times when we were growing up. You know, uh, parents are a little more open, a little more supportive because they've also gone through the same thing. 
and uh, you know we've seen so many parents come up to us and i'm sure that's the case with you know every uh, uh, sports entrepreneur sports company where uh, they want to explore if sports is a viable career option for the child so it's good to see that so many parents want kids to uh, pursue a career career in sport and um, you know that kind of support was probably not existent because we didn't have you know a structure in, in sports as such and uh, a lot has changed since the last uh, decade and 12 years especially say after the ipl came in where uh, you know you saw so many brands come in you saw sports getting structure and uh, we've seen a similar trend in football in kabaddi in uh, hockey not so much but they still try to do something that in badminton and in tennis as well so um, i think that mindset which wasn't there in indian parents before that the support to now pursue a career in sport has now changed with with all these things coming up so many institutes offering uh, sports management courses so uh, it's a real paradigm shift it's a slow shift no doubt but it's happening for sure would you say there's enough money in the sporting ecosystem right so obviously ipls changed the way we look at sports in the country right so we finally yeah. figured that there's money to be made and ipls been going on for almost a decade now or more than a decade i think yeah would you say but it's all the other sports have gotten enough money in them to pull people towards them i don't think so uh, you know because cricket being so dominant in india Uh, and ipl being you know such a, such a polish and such a uh, apex product because it it has everything it has fans fan engagement sponsors you know eyeballs everything is there so um, over, overall in india i think for any other sport it's a challenge to even match up close to cricket but therein lies the beauty of it wherein you know you have an opportunity to make something unique like you know you're a football fan you know how, how different uh, football is from cricket like cricket culture is different football culture is different so you know there represents an opportunity wherein you know we can explore uh, to sort of you know to start something unique um, yeah the money is in it is not uh, great at the moment but it's picking up for example no one thought a pro kabaddi league would do so well you know because they completely redefined the sport they repackaged it um, and you know suddenly it had all the eyeballs suddenly it had sponsors coming in and you know uh, the kabaddi players actually started to make some good money off it which for probably you know 10 years ago was an impossible thought so um i think change change does come slowly and uh, you know the opportunity is there for uh, football and other sports to grow and you know i i, I think let's not set cricket as the benchmark but that we can we can try to do our own thing uh, uniquely in every sport true How, how important is it like um, so if you look at and again i'm sorry i come keep coming back to record because as the only successful case study we have in the country perfect. right yeah. so um so the way yeah. you look at uh, crickets come up right and um, the governing body had to realize that there was money to be made for the ecosystem to have money right so for quite some time we didn't right uh, there wasn't enough money in cricket as well 83 world cup happened um still there wasn't a lot of money coming in i think it was around 91 or 92 when uh, post apartheid the south africa series happened where uh, bcci for the first time realized that they could broadcast it and get money out of it right so how uh, how helpful would you say are the policies that we have today for sports in the country is it encouraging enough for people like say you have come in or uh, somebody like me who has come in i still haven't i've jumped but i haven't been an entrepreneur in sports right now you've jumped and become an entrepreneur so how encouraging are the policies would you say for people to jump in 
uh, I think uh, being an entrepreneur is is quite difficult, and uh, sport as a sector is not focused on. Uh, personally, you know, I've tried to get into the startup India, and uh, you know, all those other um, uh, initiatives that's taken up by the government, but sports doesn't fall into that realm anywhere. So you are kind of you know left by yourself, and then you know the, the team that you have with and the connections that you are uh, you know making along the way. So uh, in terms of you know uh, those policies and those initiatives for sports, it's not been that helpful. But uh, when it comes to the federation and uh, the governing bodies that govern football in India, I think it's 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 been. Uh, I mean, they've finally uh, woken up. I would say after the ISL came in. Uh, I don't want to you know uh, take anyone's side here because you have AIFF, you have FSDL and Star Sports, three separate entities, and all all three have a backstory to it. But uh, the way I look at it is that uh, ISL really helped um, football to catch. Attention amongst the masters. I mean, the I League was there; it's still there. The NFL was there, and of course, those hotbed uh, areas of Calcutta with the legacy clubs, Kerala, Goa, the Northeast, obviously had uh, you know uh, a lot of interest in football. But uh, what the ISL has managed to do positively is it's managed to create you know fans across cities and uh, uh, towns where football never existed before. So you have a new bunch of fans who come in. Uh, you've got a whole lot of sponsors who come in who realize that uh, you know, hey, football is is quite uh, interesting to invest in, and I think uh, what speaks for itself is the uh, MOU signed by uh, Reliance Foundation and the Premier League, with the Premier League bringing its youth teams uh, over here uh, to play a competition, and uh, the takeover by uh, the City Football Group, you know, and you know, th- that's that's a massive, massive uh, turning point because. They don't invest their money anywhere. They very strategically uh, choose to invest money in uh, football clubs across the world, and to invest in Mumbai City and Mumbai, historically not being a football uh, hotbed as such. But then you know, uh, understanding that there is potential and they're in it for the long term because they've got about 63 percent, which is the majority of uh, mm. the stakeholding over there. So uh, I think uh, uh, that is something which is which has changed like, since since ISL came in in 2014. the landscape of indian football has definitely changed it is slow no doubt but i think there is enough potential for uh, investors for brands to make money off it in the long term talking about strategic investments right um, what made you decide to get into grassroots like most people and if you look at um, any other industry than sports people would yeah. the lowest hanging fruits for entrepreneurship generally are uh, media Right. Mostly people yep. want to do media startups, which is easy to do, right? You create content, you create, curate content, and try selling it. But you got into grassroots. Um, what made you jump into grassroots? Well, uh, you know, because I've been following Roma and Serie A, I was always inclined towards coaching. And you know, uh, in, in Serie A, every game is a tactical uh, battle. So uh, I, 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 I always was inclined to coaching, which is why I did. Uh, the first level uh, of the, of the license courses here to study the technical point of view, and I realized uh, you know I, I I also traveled to the US in 2014 where I was lucky enough to have visited a lot of grassroots uh, football clubs over there, and I had no intention of visiting them. It just so happened I I you know because the love of football is there, I coincidentally just ran into some uh, training sessions and stuff that was happening in local parks, and um, I was amazed to see the culture of uh, US soccer. and i felt that 
probably uh, you know we can try to take a leaf of their book obviously not copy the entire thing by itself because it's a different demographic it's a different culture everything but um, i believe that for any successful footballing country the, the cradle is the grassroots you know uh, the best players of the world play in these small clubs in these small tournaments the sunday league tournaments and that's where they build their mark and once they turn pro uh, the, the the cognitive skills that they've learned at the grassroots actually come to the forefront not the training uh, at the club itself because you know th- that's how long i mean you need to start young to play uh, football and in india especially in mumbai i realized that there was a gap because we were starting late so i thought that you know this is a perfect area to come in uh, as you said uh, sports media was more alluring it was more viable option uh, grassroots had a lot of work to be done but i was ready for the challenge to take it up because i saw that there's a gap and um, our goal right from the outset of you know when we started forza india was to make it inclusive we want we want every child to have a ball at his or her feet and uh, you know start as young as possible and uh, it, it was the summer of uh, 2018 when i quit my corporate job and i just took a plunge into it um, and yeah i mean you know it's it's been a great journey from there to then but i think i, I think that is what sort of like you know all these factors combined made me realize that the grassroots was the way to go child and the chance to learn uh, life skills on the football pitch which you do not necessarily get to learn in a classroom and of course you learn a sport you learn to fall in love with the game you enjoy playing you make new friends you start communicating so you know uh, I, i know that this word is used a lot which is holistic it's used by every grassroots instructor by every coach by every organization but that is what it is like uh, you know when you and i were playing uh, football we inevitably became different people after playing the game you know because we learned uh, soft skills like uh, uh, communication like uh, you know uh, team spirit and just 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 the whole uh, aspect of fair play being uh, sorry um, sort of you know uh, taking responsibility being a leader on the pitch has uh, helped us off the pitch as well so um, the way that you know we we try to uh, sort of you know place the product to parents and uh, you know potential uh, uh, guardians of, of these kids is that you know this is a very wholesome way so obviously you know the, the end goal is that you you become a pro footballer but that it's not the only goal right i mean when you when you take up a sport or you do any extra curricular activity it's about learning overall and that's how we place our product like uh, you know in terms of football coaching and uh, we've been lucky enough and there are many academies say like a barca or you know la liga who have come from abroad probably um, charge three or four times more but they're giving the quality product and they've found uh, you know their target audience and they're making uh, good revenue so definitely there is uh, enough potential to make money at the grassroots so and one, one you hit the nail on the head when you said that this is a uh, a part of your training right so whatever classroom yep. training is happening for physics and chemistry and geography and history uh, this is also a part of the same thing right but 
So now, and this becomes even more relevant with uh, what's happening right now uh, across the globe. Isn't there the limitation though that <clears throat> to learn this, you will have to have some amount of physical prowess. I'm not saying you've got to be a Gareth Bale or a Cristiano Ronaldo, but you'll have to have some amount of physical prowess. That's one. And the second is uh, you need to be in a physical place. So how yeah. will, what with what's happening right now in the world, how does that affect grassroots football training? It affects us very, very badly because, you know, it is an outdoor sport. It's a team sport. So, uh, I mean, there's there's no sugarcoating this. Uh, that, you know, we've been massively hit by the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we've tried to do online sessions at home. Uh, but it's it's to a very limited uh, uh, you know, rate of success because you know, there are things that you can't do at home, that you can't do on the pitch. So... Um, you know, it, it does affect us and, uh, you know, for us, there's no other option but to get back on the pitch and, uh, you know, start training again. Uh, what actually, you know, just to address and just to go off topic a bit, uh, how we structure our batches, we are very age group specific and that's something that didn't exist five to six years ago where you had a six-year-old playing with a 12-year-old. So what we try to do right from the start is to, you know, have, uh, you know, age, age specific and skill set specific batches for kids and by skill set specific i mean that you know there are kids who don't have the physical prowess who, who are 11 12 or even 13 years of age but um, who probably will not develop into a proper footballer or you know, technically uh, good footballer so what we've done is we've you know put all these kids together in one batch and we regress down the the, the training session it's it's very basic so that you know they they get a feel of it and they don't get discouraged because you know if if they are put in the same batch with a nine-year-old child. And if the nine-year-old child is very gifted and technically good, that 12-year-old child will lose confidence and morale. So, you know, what we try to do is, you know, to uh, have a separate training regiment for them, uh, have a separate uh, coaching curriculum for them. And, uh, you know, right from the outset, we tell the parents that, hey, it's going to be very difficult uh, for your child to actually, you know, get into that rhythm of playing. Because, you know, as a parent, you expect your child to be the next... Cristiano or the next Messi, but um, I think you know we uh, we know that that will be possible with with these kids. But what we try to do is you know to get them that uh, uh, inclusion, to, you know, get that uh, feel of playing the game and enjoy the game and uh, also work out eventually. So yeah, just drifted off, but that is what it is. But um, for for any outdoor sport, be it cricket or be it football or anything, we need to be out on the ground. I mean, there's all the Zoom classes or the uh, online thing is not going to work with us. Mm-hmm. True, true. I'm going to come back to the point that you were speaking about regarding your trip to the US, right? Um, yeah. And if you look at the way uh, curriculums are uh, set in the Western eco- ecosystem, so and I'm looking at even, say, Europe, and you look at the way curriculums are set in India, right? Um, what differences did you see? And I mean, I'm, I know for a fact that you've been trying to change the way uh, football training is imparted as well. Right? Yeah. So, what yeah. differences did you see that you felt like these are certain gaps that we need to cover? Yeah, so uh, I think, you know, for us, it's always been result-oriented everywhere. And I think that's just embedded in our DNA and our culture that, hey, if you're doing something, we need to, you know, be uh, number one or top the class, you know. So, um, any game that even an under-8 or under-10 team plays, they're expected to win. And in that winning, development does not happen. Uh, 
and i think that's the major difference between uh, global football leaders and us because we are so focused on the result even at under 10 i mean anitra just imagine uh, if a child is 17 18 he doesn't care you know uh, the games that he won or lost when he was 9 years old you know but uh, so what we've been trying to do and you know this is something that you know, we've experienced it n number of times during tournaments and matches is you know when parents come and question us question the coaches um, and stuff like that so for us it's 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 development winning is important for sure we're not telling the team that you know we're going to lose every game or whatever but yeah you know you are bound to experience losses and and wins um and uh, you don't compromise that for development you know wherein for example just uh, a very simple explanation is that you know you don't uh, kick the ball directly in a fire side from the goalkeeper to a center forward who's right on the side of the other goal and tries to score a goal we want the child to you know uh, we want the team to pass uh, pass properly dribble uh take the man one or take the child one on one try to dribble past uh, the opponent and and you know create that uh, build that uh, skill set and gradually grow so for example if if the coach is focusing on say a passing during a game that we play on the weekend so uh, how we structure it is that we have two sessions uh, in 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 the week and a match day on a weekend um so if if uh, the, the the topic is passing on on the match day we try to evaluate the passing so the coach will tell the kids that okay you know i i want you all to uh, implement whatever you've learned during the training sessions and i want to see it on, in the game so just be confident and do it so uh, overall our philosophy has always been in grassroots especially for our under 8 under 10 and under 12 teams is development at all costs so you know be it playing out of the back or you know taking the man one on one those are the things that we really want to promote rather than going and winning games like solely winning games you know so that's that's probably been our philosophy so far so somebody that wants to uh, come into the whole ecosystem of uh, grassroots football uh, grassroots training in general okay i'm not going to keep it just to football and uh, one as an entrepreneur when you want to come into this and second say is the, if there is an investor who wants to come in one thing that you see in uh, i would say under at the age group of say around under 18 okay uh, for any kind of physical uh, sports training the attrition rate is pretty high at the age of around 14 or 15 and that coincides generally with people graduating from their schools the moment people graduate from their schools there there is a launch pad there is a path forward obviously there are uh, university games happening there are intercollegiate games happening but could you explain why this attrition rate at that specific point and how do we arrest that going forward so that anybody who is looking at the ecosystem doesn't feel that the universe of customers is limited right so i think when you know when it comes to uh, under 16 Uh, under 17 you basically uh, evolve from the grassroots and come into the youth football uh, phase of development and uh, obviously you know in in india uh, since we do not have the culture of sports or you know uh, the culture of uh, choosing a career in sport we see a very very high dropout and high attrition rate at that point of time um, also in in uh, colleges abroad you have scholarships that are uh, offered with sport and i think that is something where the education uh, and the sport ministry together have to uh, synergize and form you know th- there are a lot it's not like i'm 
uh, you know, just bad mouthing them. There are a lot of initiatives that's that's done by them where they promote athletes. But this has to be done even more given our population and our demographic. You know, we, we are a very young country right now, and um, we have the potential to do well in every sport. You know, be it an Olympic sport, be it a team sport, or be it in individual sports. So combining sports and education, I think, is you know uh, something that we really, really need at this hour, so that we don't have the dropout and the high attrition rate. Uh, speaking of football, more specifically, uh, the, the, the solution is we need to have more football clubs. As simple as that. They create more football clubs so that there are more tournaments to play in. And of course, you know, having residential academies is the dream. So you know, uh, someone who's passed out uh, 12th grade can pursue his or her graduation along with football uh, while uh, you know, in, uh, while staying in a very uh, uh, cohesive environment, um, and you know, having uh, like you know, training every day, and then of course, the more clubs that exist in the ecosystem means that you get more matches. So uh, yeah, in football, the need of the hour is definitely more and more football clubs. That's where the AIFF and the other governing bodies need need to sort of you know promote youth football. Uh, they need to relax a lot of uh, regulations and make it more sustainable for entrepreneurs to start football clubs. And uh, just, you know, I mean, uh, the reason uh, why I went into the grassroots is because for me, financially uh, or even uh, with my limited bandwidth, it's impossible to start a football club, you know, at a senior team or at a youth team. So uh, I had to sort of like, you know, uh, look at the grassroots because uh, that's how the, the system is right now. But if they make it more conducive, that will just promote growth in football and, you know, gradually in every sport for that matter. So. I mean, talking about training, right? So um, how important do you think, Ajay, it is for uh, the entrepreneur to understand the game? Okay, one is that. And second, like you said, right, you actually got your hands dirty, right? So you went and got the coaching yeah. license and then came in and started this. How important do you think it is for anybody wanting to come in to have that knowledge? So say tomorrow, somebody with money wants to come into this uh, field and he's just going to, he or she just acts as the person with, the person who's bankrolling the whole thing. Is yeah. that sustainable or do you think it is suggested that, or it's suggestible that anybody wanting to come in should get that training as well? I think it's, it's a mix of both uh, because uh, sport is not a business that you can inherit without passion. You know, I mean, you know, in India, when you have family business as such a big thing, and probably the only country in the world where colleges offer a course of family business management, which is just very, very amusing. You know, uh, and you see so many uh, CAs becoming CAs after their father or getting uh, businesses passed on for several generations generations. Sport is not like that because you need to be passionate about the game. Uh, so for entrepreneurs who, are, who want to bankroll their own sports company, uh, they need to be passionate about the game. And um, I think the best thing that the game teaches you is that you're always a student of the game. You're always learning on an everyday basis. You know, um, when, I, when I went for the deal license, it's, it's very funny that I, I thought I knew everything because as I said, I follow Serea and, you know, I've uh, done a detailed research on Fabio Capello, uh, Luciano Spalletti, you know, the uh, Marcello Lippis and uh, Ancelotti's and I'm like, you know, coaching is not that difficult and in my football manager save, I've managed to take Roma from like, you know, fourth place to champions of Europe. But then you come in and you're like blown away because 
there's so much to learn and i think that has humbled me personally and uh, as maybe realized that the, the game is the teacher and you're just a student so um, you know for entrepreneurs who want who want to succeed or who want to really really make a difference they need to get their hands dirty they need to learn more uh, for investors coming in i think you know it's good if they do that but if they partner up with someone who uh, who knows or who shares the same uh, philosophy and uh, the values um, as as a person who's running it uh, i think i think that that really helps and i think that's the, the biggest lesson for every entrepreneur is that uh no company succeeds by by itself you need a strong team uh, a team that actually believes in your vision in your philosophy who's aligned to the principles and core values that you have and i think that's that's how every company and every entrepreneur moves forward so now that you you are involved in grassroots in bombay right and um we spoke about the importance of so we speaking about how uh, ca ka beta ca ban jata hai and like Yeah. certain things are passed on right and we know it football in general is played in pockets right so i think you get your love for football from your from the elders of your family you come from a malayali family yeah. i come from a bengali family it's the same right so we've had the culture we've seen our parents stay up at night watching football games you know right. uh, doing banter with their friends on call or when they're coming around now with you having started grassroots football training in bombay do you see that culture finally uh, catching up in an urban center like bombay so because i know for a fact delhi it's happening right so uh, i mean prashant can attest to that fact right and uh, is it is it finally catching up in bombay you'd say it is man it is and i think uh, credit goes to the premier league because uh, you know you you've seen such a massive support uh, you know in in the, in, in uh, Mumbai with the Premier League teams mm. uh, when there are screenings held of uh, you know big games, Champions League games, or even say uh, you know an El Clasico, you have numbers that throng to pubs at you know in the wee hours of night. Um, with grassroots football, what we've seen is that uh, the kids now force the parents, you know, like mom, dad, I want to watch this game. Or uh, what we try to do is we try to take the kids to the uh, Mumbai City games and. Uh, the first time it's us the second time it's them like uh, you know they enjoyed it so much that like you know we want to go back go back there again so uh, you know the the culture has has changed uh, it is changing but uh, personally i feel it's happening at a very slow rate i think we can expedite it we can you know catalyze it uh, and this is something that uh, has also happened in the us and even say and australia so you know similar markets i would say because you have multi sport uh cultures over there as well uh four to five sports that dominate in india it's the one sport but you know it's a equivalent of four five sports uh but you you've seen that success you've seen uh fans going uh, to the stadiums uh, you know uh, making tifos uh wearing the scarves and you know just football football becoming a part of their daily lives and uh, in india i mean you just see a kerala blasters i mean a kerala blasters didn't have to do anything because the football culture was there you know so for them it was easy they had a uh, uh, you know 40000 fans already turning up for every home game uh, that's, that's a bell right there it's very weird i'm hearing the bell after a very long time <laughs> yeah every time every time the bell rings i'm like oh my god who is it yeah who is it you yeah. <laughs> know expecting anybody to come in right now yeah that's true that's true so um for mumbai i think it's it's more of uh, you know it's a challenge here because uh, it's dominated by cricket 
and uh, you know uh, we've seen it happening slowly and steadily because of the screenings you know because of uh, uh, a lot of young people supporting premier league teams the culture is happening next generation that comes in would be the football fans like the kids at our academy who are you know 12 13 14 years old they are the ones who will carry the fan culture forward hmm interesting thing i think so i was ch- checking out your uh, blog right vlog on uh, humans of indian football and it was fascinating to see uh, parents and uh, especially women coming uh, to the stadiums with their kids it's something we've not seen a lot at least like if you go down to the andhi sports complex for a game you won't see that a lot so it's fascinating you know that such things happen in this country but it it's going to take time i agree uh, how long do you think okay um two pronged question here how long do you think um it takes for a grassroots business to make humongous amounts of money i'm not saying slight amounts of profit but good amounts of money for other people to see hey you know this is a, a money spinning business right so if i can draw parallels to um the uh, classroom education uh, businesses outside of your school so you had a uh, bias yeah. tutorials and uh, sinhals and what yeah. and then you have byjus that's finally broken that uh, barrier right so one right. how long does it take for an entrepreneur to make humongous amounts of money or like to get to that critical mass and second how long do you think it will take for this whole ecosystem to go to the next level right? so we've seen a spurt of growth happening uh, ever since the ISL came in so now that we have two leagues running and you have so many local leagues right there's a calcutta local league there's a goa league there's a kerala yeah. league so and the seven sides in kerala so uh, how how long do you think that's going to take for the ecosystem to take the next step for so the uh, the entrepreneur and the businesses um, for any any business in uh, a sport um, you know let me just you know leave it leave it at a very a uh, basic timeline and call it between 3 to 10 years is how long it will take for you to actually uh, make a product be comfortable with the product uh, scale it up you know get those numbers and you know uh, get those consistency uh, levels in day in and day out um, you know so it takes it takes time because of you know sport not being a part of our daily lives or sport not being uh, prioritized over say an education so even though like you know uh, as you mentioned byjus even though they were into education they found it really tough to break in but once they broke in they became unicorn uh, similarly i think you know for sport or uh, any sports entrepreneur i think the the key here is to just keep on hustling have patience and uh, just keep on improving your product with time because uh, i believe that's the only way uh, to survive in this in this industry because you've seen so many football schools and football academies opening up and the ones who are always um, innovative and the ones who are proactive are the ones who stand out from you know the competition so gone are the days where you know you football is that mud ground sport where you don't have assessment or development it's much more um, structured now and we still have a long way to go uh, and in terms of the overall um, development happen happening in india uh, it's it's going to take a while because you know the there are so many stakeholders in the ecosystem you know from the federation to governing bodies to clubs officials referees parents so um, the brilliant part is that everything starts at the grassroots for example now we for a long time we did not we did not have uh, games to play you know we had training sessions for under 8 under 10 under 
but that weekend game was never there so uh, obviously when sunday league came in we jumped in right away but obviously even the sunday league doesn't give enough games it's not every sunday so what we did is amongst two three academies we decided that we'll play our own sunday league you know our own tournament so uh, we were complaining that okay we don't have a system we don't have a league wherein we realized that the answers answer is right there in front of us all we have to do is connect so between three of us a couple of academies we used to either rent out a gaming sports complex a turf or you know probably go to uh, one other turf wherever we train and player friendly like in in one and a half hours we used to get like four or five games you know so like small small games but then the point is that it it happened so grassroots is like i would say the microscopic example of the overall ecosystem because Uh, what we try to do is we try to get a parents more involved you know on match days we tell them if we ask them if they can uh, help us out you know by uh, bringing in their cars or bringing in snacks food water um, and you know be, being a part of the community and i think that translates to an overall picture so you know uh, when you turn pro uh, these are the things that you know you learn from like you know the, the, the whole feeling of a community the whole feeling of going you know to match days so um, if if we actually um, focus our attention on building the grassroots the rest of it will just follow you know the professional leagues i believe are much more easier to manage than the the grassroots uh, football coaching you know so um, we are heading the right path but as i said it's it's slow so i don't want to put a timeline to it because you know i know a lot of people go out and say that india will qualify for the 2026 world cup you know but um i think we are headed in the right direction at least to become you know a power in asia and i think that should be our goal we should learn from the ecosystems in japan and iran and even in australia how they managed to do it and if they can do it there's there's no reason why we can't do it sure. i mean japan actually has set a 100 year plan right? so it's yeah. like this yeah. sounds cool <coughs> we say like that you know we might qualify for 2026 no we're not going to qualify for 2026 we're far far away from that but i i agree that we're taking the right baby steps at least right i just so one thing uh, you you spoke about uh, fc barcelona and there are so many other academies right uh, and uh, pretty much a lot of uh, indian entrepreneurs have also come into this right so how important do you think is it to have one binding curriculum right so what is being taught at forza india is not the same that is being taught in somewhere else right so for a parent it's it becomes very difficult as well right to judge yeah. so yeah. um how important would you say is it to have a one single curriculum that everybody is imparting and secondly how as a parent do i judge the success or the lack of it of an academy it's so uh, when it comes to schools or colleges we see placements kitna ho raha hai and our uh, yeah. what's the pass percentage of the college at the school how do you judge that for an academy that's like a brilliant question and something that i've been you know, waiting to answer because uh, this is a dilemma that is faced by everyone every parent for that matter they're like you know to have barcelona who are a world leader or big name in football uh and they obviously they charge accordingly and uh they bring in their expertise the technical expertise the curriculum and stuff like that but if you look at it their goal uh is always development and i think uh, there that there doesn't need to be one common binding uh, curriculum book for every academy every academy can be unique have its own philosophy but the net goal has to be development you know for example uh 
the Lionel Messi example is is a really good one. Now he he had his grassroots in Argentina, you know, at Newell's uh, Newell, Old Boys, and Argentina also had a very strong futsal structure, a grassroots structure. So when he moved to Spain at such a young age, you know, he blended in right away because of, you know his, his culture or you know the, the the training that he got back then was towards development, which is the case with any football club, like you know any professional football club. Uh, of course, they have the liberty to cherry pick the best players, but their net goal is you know for every youth player or every player at the grassroots to develop significantly uh, in terms of technical and tactical ability. So um, in India, uh, of course, you know you have the the big names who've come in, and I totally understand uh, parents choosing you know a Barcelona or a La Liga or a Boca Juniors because of the brand name, the culture, and the technical thing, but. Uh, I think our our Indian academies are not far behind. There's so many of us who uh, are are inspired, who who are learning every day, uh, who especially during this time we've been uh, you know honing our skill set by attending a lot of um, you know webinars and coaching programs and stuff like that. And we're very eager to implement it on the pitch. I mean, learning theory is one uh, is on one side, but you know football is all about implementing it on the pitch. And uh, I believe that um, a successful academy should allow its coaches to experiment and bring his or her own ideas into the football pitch. But as I told you, you know, I'm, I'm reiterating this, but the net goal has to be over development. So for any academy to be judged, I think you know we we have to see by the quality of uh, you know people who come out of the academy. You know, uh, for example, uh, from our own uh, journey, we had a. Child who was uh, seven years old when he joined, uh, he was physically he was quite strong. He was a very tall guy. Seven year old was you know close to about uh, almost five feet you know for his age, which is like humongous for for that age. But he wasn't good uh, technically, and he was extremely mischievous. You know he 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 just was a troublemaker. But you know uh, credit to uh, one of our coaches, Mizo uh, uh, coach called Fella. Uh, he stuck by him, and you know he he was involved. So much with it that within a year now, yeah, the parent obviously was uh, behind us. Like, why is India growing? But it took a year, year and a half for him to understand his new environment. And now he is very cooperative. Now he's the leader of the pack. He motivates the other kids to you know join in, and he's improved technically as well. So I think those little victories, especially in grassroots, should be counted more than say you know uh, getting like getting uh, winning trophies or winning cups or whatever. And of course, we want uh, the talented kids or kids with potential to move on and you know play for a Mumbai City FC or for any other football club for that matter. So um, I think it's very important for the entire grassroots ecosystem to be connected in that way. You know, wherein there is an immediate platform. If a, if a, a child is performing well or has a potential to go and make it, there should be a ready platform for him or to jump on to that bandwagon. So uh, that is how we probably measure the success. So no, I, I I completely uh, agree with that. So I've always thought, you know, if we are to <clears throat> judge the success of a, an academy, it's got to be the amount of players they have produced, right? So it can only yeah. happen after an academy has been uh, in existence for say half a decade minimum. And if you and this is just maybe this is just me, but if I look at it, the Indian players are still coming out of Indian academies. So. I, mean, I don't want to shit on the Basas and the PSG academies out here, but for me, I think yes, they are in it for the development. But I think they're in it for the development of their bank accounts. Like, I'm, I'm going to. I've, I've, I've said this to anybody who wants to listen to this because 
Yeah. And for me, I think it needs to have development, obviously, as you said, right? So player development needs to happen. So I'm going to come back to the curriculum bit, right? And uh, this is uh, an example I keep uh, giving every time curriculums come up. I was fascinated by Cricket Australia's curriculum, okay? So the moment you want to enroll your child, uh, the first question is what age are they? And they tell you that this is a seven-year program. I have not heard a single football academy do that. Okay, um, we are always saying this is a summer batch or this is a winter batch yeah. or this is a this batch. What stops us from saying that, hey, you know, I'm going to take your child today at the age of eight and he's going to be with me for the next seven years, which is what a school does. So a school doesn't come and ask you, hey, are you going to renew for the next year? It's taken, like it's taken for granted that the kid is going to renew till he finishes off school, sure. right? Why can't we get in grassroots football day? I think, I think that is probably the million dollar question. Uh, and that's where the, the lack of uh, leadership within the uh, organizations or within the uh, uh, sort of the boards and the uh, uh, federations come into effect. And uh, it circles back to we don't have enough football clubs. So, um, you know, 15 is when a child enters his or her youth phase. Um, and we don't have a football club for the child to go to. You know, so uh, it's very difficult for grassroots academies to actually present, uh, you know, a, a career progression plan. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we do have a connect and a lot of academies work with semi-pro clubs in Mumbai with the MDFA. So, you know, you have uh, academies who have MDFA teams, senior teams. Um, you know, we, we have uh, an MOU with Rebels Football Club in, in Bangalore, wherein they have a residential academy. You know, so uh, those are the few measures that we can take. But until and unless there are more football clubs, until and unless, you know, the ecosystem is not sustainable, there is there is not going to be, you know, a definite pathway. Like like you mentioned with Cricket Australia, uh, you see, you know, with, with, the, with the talent coming up, or even in India for that matter, you know, because of the IPL and because the Ranji being upgraded, uh, you lose an international player and you bring in a player from a domestic circuit. He immediately is... Uh, you know, uh, at ease with the environment that is put into, because the quality of level has gone up so so much. But that's not the case with football, you know. Uh, and the simple reason is that we we don't play enough games, we don't have enough clubs, and we don't have enough policies in place to promote the growth and development of, of football, you know. So it's so result oriented, like you know, we want to win, win, win all the time. Uh, that 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 the focus on development totally goes away, and you know, we can't create better players. So it, it comes down to maybe the entire circle, but you know it's as simple as we need to break the wheel and put a new one. And I think that is happening. It is happening slowly, but it, it is uh, positively happening, which is why we are in the ecosystem and we're seeing the change that's happening. And we're trying our best to sort of you know expedite it. So so yeah, I mean that's that's what it is right now. Very interesting point, right? <clears throat> so we uh, we're talking about uh, opportunities to play. Right now, if you look at opportunities for a child, yes, they do not exist today because we do not have the clubs. But if you think about a similar ecosystem, okay, and if I am to draw a parallel to uh, the Indian, I'm going to say the subcontinent in general, to the African ecosystem, right? And um, one, infrastructurally, I think we are better than the African uh, ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, and with respect to both uh, playing facilities as well as clubs, right? But African 
players are still going out okay one okay they're physically more gifted than uh, us but i for me personally i also feel that they're absolute hustlers right so it's not that every african footballer is playing a straight in europe there are a bunch playing right. in india and they're still being the amongst the best yeah. yeah but when it comes to india and um i don't want to dive into a history lesson right now but our fascination for the color white the skin white skin tone is just so visible right so again is it a lack of opportunities that stops an indian player from playing his trade in a malaysia or a japan um see so we've had some players go out and play in europe uh, okay so we've had uh, gurpreet play there we've had uh, chetri try and play there um we've just had a kid from goa go and play in portugal's fourth uh, division yeah. right so is it which one do you think um from your vantage point makes more sense to stay and play in an i league club where the league runs for 4 to 5 months okay um the level of competition is not going to be very high because if you don't have good enough footballers so if i play them my footballs aren't going to improve versus going and playing in a j league okay and hopefully have the opportunity to rub shoulders with somebody like a torres or an iniesta or even say we don't go to the first division of j league yeah. go to a malaysia yeah. go to an australia there's a league happening where opportunities are higher um, the leagues run for longer terms and the talent around you is better so is it something that we don't want to do or is it a lack of opportunities that's stopping our players from doing it another fantastic question man i mean uh, this is i actually picked up two anecdotes one was from ishan pandita who's playing in i think the fifth or sixth tier of spanish football and the other one was in the live between uh, sunil chetri and i am vijay mm. you know so in the first uh, first one he uh, ishan padada was like we need more indian players to come out and play in spain uh, or in europe for that matter so obviously you know getting in the premier league is dif- is difficult getting england is difficult because of work permit baichung did it with bari long time ago but i think even sunil tried but it just didn't go through right so i think you know going to spain or germany or any of those european clubs where could be better norway to play uh, it makes sense because you know you suddenly are in a very different um, ecosystem you know ecosystem that promotes growth and development the money is in there for sure and of course there's that fear of shifting to a new country and that is what happened to iam vijayan back in the day when he had offers from uh, you know uh, clubs in asia but he was just fearful to go there because you know there was a language barrier the country barrier there was no one to support him to guide him Had to mentor him that you know hey i mean because we didn't have a professional structure so you know you're talking about having no agents or having no agencies to manage you uh having uh, or, or clubs just being clubs and not being that supportive uh, uh i i would say that supporting hand which is which is the case now because the club actually supports its players indian clubs also support other players so that wasn't there uh definitely the best better choice is to probably if you get a chance you have to you know take a chance and go abroad and play even if it's for a year or two it makes a big difference i think the gurpreet that went to norway was a different gurpreet and the one he, you know after he came back that's a completely different gurpreet who came back so it it goes to show because you know say a j league or an a league or even the malaysian indonesian leagues they've been they've been there it's a, it's a longer season you have much more seasoned coaches out there the culture is there and you grow as a player 
and when you when you try a when you try to play in a different league, it's, it's a whole new different environment. You are challenging yourself to you know become a better player. So it definitely would help. Um, unfortunately, the the two factors one is money. Uh, whatever it is, like a fifth-tier Spanish club will not give you uh, good money compared to say an ISL club. You know, for that matter. So being a reserve in the ISL is far more lucrative than you know trying to make it in the fifth division somewhere. And secondly, it's that it's that lack of conditioning. You know, you have that fear uh, that stops you from taking taking those risks. And all those can be fixed in the youth and grassroots. Where if you have like structured academies and clubs, you know, you have uh, professionals who are there with you, coaches, uh, mentors who are there to guide you and support you. That you know, even if it's if it means giving up your family and you know your home and a home comfort away, it's for the better good. And that's why you know you see so many. South American kids going to Europe. Obviously, not all of them make it big, but they they go through that struggle, you know, of adapting to a new culture, new city. And uh, when they make it, when they actually make it, it, it you know it pays off eventually. So, uh, I think we should totally be inspired. And uh, I'm waiting for the day when you know we see an Indian actually play in the A League or J League versus you know an Indian playing in the Premier League. And talking <coughs> about the difference between these two, well, uh, like. When I say these two, I'm saying one being the Indian ecosystem and second being any other. Uh, we've seen how uh, different it is as well, right? So we've had a coach come in from Singapore, uh, Chennai uh, City's coach, and yeah. he blew the league away, right? I mean, just yeah. with his new methods and the way he did stuff, it was like a lesson for Indian coaches, right? Okay, this can happen, right? So when you look at the difference, so one is obviously uh, the infra that is there, the technical infra, the coaching infra. Do you also see a difference in the technology being used, and would you say, as a footballing ecosystem, uh, we've been? I think we're way behind the curve in using technology in general as a society in India. How far back behind? I'm hoping we are not very, but how far behind do you think we are in using technology in football? And especially in grassroots training, because I think when you go to the ISL level, it's pretty much there, right? So yeah, you have it's the it's same it. things that are there. But when it comes to grassroots, are there enough technologies being used today? Uh, I think with with grassroots, it's it's more about actually getting access uh, through technology to different curriculums and to different cultures. So it's all about learning in grassroots and then implementing it. Of course, uh, you're right when you say that in ISL, we, you know, we are there. We're using everything. We're tracking. And monitoring the player, uh, players' heart movement, blood rate, everything is there. You know, we have video analytics. You know, we have scouts who you know go and analyze the opposition. So all that is there. Uh, with grassroots, actually, you know, it, it, it's a very funny thing. Uh, it actually more comes down to technical development. Um, a simple example uh, I would want to share is that during my D license, during a practical exam, there was a coach who was probably 60, 65 years of age. And when he was doing his uh, practical, there was a child who tried to nutmeg someone, eleven, twelve-year-old child, okay, and he stopped the game and he said, "Kya kar raha? Kyu shining kar raha?" And I'm like, "Come on, ye 11-12 saal ka bachcha hai. Agar ye training round mein nahi karega, how do you expect him to do it in the game? You know, so that uh, you know, I, I've always been of philosophy that as Indians we are cerebral people, and I think we should, you know, we should be able to produce." Cerebral and creative players, but if you look at the national team, there are not enough creative players, and that comes out of the grassroots. As you said, the Africans have their uh, physical uh, advantage; they have that you know, ability to hustle. Uh, 
uh, I think for us it should be creativity. Like we should be having number tens all over the place. You know, the the guys who do the nutmegs, who do the tricks, who see the game from a 360 degree angle. But we are curbing that in the grassroots, and um, that's been a major major downfall. Why we haven't created goal scorers, or why the national team is so heavily reliant on a Sunil Chetri you know, for for goal scoring. because we we are not producing those cerebral players so in grassroots i think you know uh, the simple aspect uh, comes down to just giving that child the freedom to express uh, himself or herself uh, and, and that does the trick for you because when the child goes up to uh, a u16 u17 if if the same philosophy is there you know you have the uh, you know even full backs are creative these days goalkeepers are creative so every position requires creativity so you allow that creativity to bloom and blossom and that carries on when you become a pro so i believe that's that's where you know we can we can sort of like influence uh, technology in grassroots as such what what we do is we do a, we do an assessment all the time so we have an online assessment that we do so all our session planners everything is online so a coach makes a session planner uploads it onto the drive that is seen by all the coaches and the technical team and the coach makes a, a assessment of the child so physical technical tactical uh, psychosocial i'm going to put put them out soon on uh, linkedin for everyone to use because we were just beta testing and we've just done about you know 8 8 to 10 months of uh, testing <laughs> but it's been uh, like it's, it's been a good sign of success so we're going to put it out and we send that to parents a, a soft copy to parents on whatsapp so we've used technology in that aspect to reduce the churn time to reduce friction and make it paperless and of course we've used technology now to you know get into webinars to access content and learn from uh, different grassroots curriculums across the world so that's where technology can you know come into the grassroots and the senior team is already in place so you know we're set out there i think uh, you raised a very interesting point there right so uh, the fact that we're celebrating right and I think something about Sunil Chetri that's in often overlooked is the fact that he, I think for me at least, in he's the best in India in doing it. I would rate him pretty highly in Asia as well. The way he can see a pass, the way he's always at the right place at the right time, right? I mean, he's thirty-five. He doesn't need to run that much. He's still scoring and banging in the goals, right? So he's lost his pace a lot, but. you give any coach the option of having him or udanta or jj they'll always pick a chetri right so yep. it's the brain right and indians have had brains right we've always yep. prided ourselves on that fact and i remember we as having a chat with uh, prashant and it was a very similar chat and i ended up asking him a question i'll ask you as well so we've got the tiki taka we've got the ginga from brazil what stops india from coming out with its own style like in cricket we have our own style of play Yeah. What stops football from developing its own style? Is it just coaches that are curbing the whole uh, natural instinct at the grassroots, and is it that irreversible learning that has happened that at fourteen you can't really learn that again? I think there's a, there are a lot of answers to this one particular problem, but uh, I think you know historically again, uh, if you see it uh, during our golden era, uh, which was in the fifties to the early sixties, you know you had revolutionary players and and tacticians and managers you know so um they they were the ones who saw the game differently and uh, i believe that in terms of a quick one touch football we we saw it in the 50s and then suddenly it just stopped you know and there's no there's not a single answer which is the correct answer that why we didn't develop our own style and stuff like that 
I, I just think that uh, with the course of time uh, from the golden era of football, of Indian football, we sort of, you know, got stuck in, in like, uh, stuck in transition, you know, because the world moved ahead and it adapted. And football itself right now has evolved and, uh, you know, grown so much. Um, and like the, the, the tiki-taka was, was once fascinating, but now you see it's more counter-pressing and more aggressive, you know, off-ball movement. So, football is also evolving very, very rapidly. And I think us Indian coaches or the Indian ecosystem need to sort of like stay uh, tuned with what's happening around, but not necessarily copy a style as such. Because, you know, you can't have a lot of success by copying a style. Uh, you can you can probably make a different version of it. Like um, the Italians were famous for the Catanaccio, the, you know, uh, score one goal and then just lock the door. But Greece did their own version in Euro 2004 and won it. You know, it, it was a very similar uh, philosophy to Catanaccio, but it had their own element into it. And uh, massive respect for uh, the guys at AIF for bringing the baby leagues from Uruguay to India. But the culture is totally different. In Uruguay, you have a six-year-old who would put a two-footed side tackle and go in without any fear. You know, it's a whole different culture out there. So we need to Indianize it. And I see no reason why, why, why we can't do it. And the way that we can do it now, we do, we may we, we may not have the physical prowess, but we definitely can improve the technique. And that comes to development in the grassroots. You know, if my player cannot do a one-on-one -on -one dribble, or my player doesn't know how to put a weight behind a pass at the grassroots level, if he becomes pro, it's it's never going to translate into success. So create those young cerebral all-round technical players in the grassroots, and that creates a philosophy and a culture for the national team or, you know, for the club team uh, when player becomes a professional. So that is where we sort of, you know, hit the nail in the coffin and say that, okay, forget everything else, we're going to develop our own style and uh, let's look at our strengths and try to utilize it. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, what has happened to that coach who stopped the child doing a nutmeg, but we definitely promote, you know, anything that's creative because creativity, uh, football is all about imagination and creativity. And I think that's where we can build uh, our own culture and our own style and uh, style of play, you know. This is, it's, it's, it's heartening to know that we have people in the ecosystem who want that, that to happen, you know, because yeah. I, I've always been on your side of the argument that, you know, we're, we're smart people, man. We're absolutely smart people. And it shows in the kind of work we do, right? So why not in football? Hey, I'm going to... Uh, end this discussion by coming back to a thing you had raised uh, spoke about innovation right and innovation is not just about introducing newer technology it's also as an entrepreneur pivoting when things are going wrong right so the world's gone to a shit and i've been following what you've been doing right so you've i think you started off humans of indian football even before the whole pandemic happened but yeah the yeah. moment the pandemic started and uh, the whole world went into a lockdown I saw that you guys started creating a lot of digital assets. And even now you were saying you're going to put out some curriculum onto LinkedIn so people yeah. can see. And not a lot of the um, grassroots training academies, I wouldn't even say grassroots training academies, a lot of bigger academies haven't really actually um, been successful in doing it, right? So how in, how important, one, two, again, two-pronged question. One, how important is it for an entrepreneur to always keep their eyes and ears open for opportunities? So every time a door closes does it actually just close that vertical or do you start pivoting and seeing what can be done and second what made you do it like because 
when you started a few months of Indian football, it was really interesting. The simplicity of the idea is what appealed to me, right? It's it's not path breaking as such, but the fact that nobody did it and you could do it successfully is what appealed to me a lot. So, yeah, what what made you guys do that? And obviously, how important is it for an entrepreneur to always keep their eyes open? Uh, I think uh, uh, for an entrepreneur, uh, keeping or rather keeping your mind open is is really important. There are some things that you know you try, it fails. Uh, you know, you, uh, I think the ability to bounce back and try again is what defines being an entrepreneur. Otherwise, you would be, you know, not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of course, there are some decisions that pay off. Uh, some very quickly, some takes its own time. And uh, yeah, I believe uh, pivoting is is quite important. And you know, adapting to situations is is very important. Uh, for example, with Forza India, you know, we tried a lot of things. Some some failed. Some did not. Um, you know, some some work really well. Uh, some matched expectations, and some sort of. You know, although it was, we thought it's a you know low hanging fruit, or it's something that will work for sure. Failed. You know, so you know that's where you experience both sides of the spectrum. But um, uh, I think the the key here is to uh, never stop trying. You know, you just keep on trying, experimenting, and innovating, uh, and 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 it does pay off. And that's exactly how uh, you know we started humans of indian football so we have we have vinay ashosh from our team uh, the forza india team and we partnered with uh, siju who's a journalist and she's working with the uh, association of indian football coaches so she comes from a journalism uh, background and you know we we spoke to her she spoke to her bosses at work and you know uh, they gave her all clear to start this project so for us it was bringing stories of uh, the people who are in the football ecosystem like everyone knows us Sunil Chhetri now but when we did the story of uh, the the mama the the groundsman from Cooperage yes. uh, organically you won't believe the post reached up to 30000 people organically so on, on facebook instagram stats are different and stuff like that or twitter stats are different so on facebook itself uh, you know it showed that this man uh, made such an impact on so many lives you know, and his story is a story that deserves to be told. You know, and similarly in East Bengal, you have the Lozenges auntie, right? Oh. She, she got that. Yeah, and, and it's brilliant because these are the people who are there, but they're not in the spotlight. So similarly, you know what we what we try to do with with this platform is to bring out. Of course, there are some known faces, some unknown faces. We are also scouting for stories, and um, you know uh, we we were doing the long form story and the picture similar to something of, you know, a humans of Bombay, humans of the also. It's not path breaking, but then we decided to pivot to video content because we realized that a lot of people, especially now during the lockdown, are consuming hours and hours worth of uh, content on YouTube or on Instagram TV. And that's when we realized that, you know, with our limited resources, let's make quality content. So it may not be the best editing or the best uh, special effects or voiceovers, but the quality of content is there. The stories are there. And that's what we tried to capture in the essence. So we did a 14-day trip to Kerala just to just to shoot and understand the culture. And we met um, agents. We met we met with um, you know players, ex-players, coaches, uh, uh, and like you know uh, different different stakeholders from uh, the industry. But what it amazed me is that the culture of football is so strong in Kerala. And this is a state where 10 years ago. Uh, on every ground, people were playing cricket. Hmm. But now, because of the ISL and Kerala Blasters and even Gokulam Kerala, everyone's playing football. 
so it just shows that even though yeah even though that was there like the the football culture has always been there cricket because of its popularity had taken over but now football has found a way back and that's what we try to capture uh, in uh, in this particular uh, blog 14 day blog and we've got some you know uh, exclusive interviews with Gokulam Kerala and you know some of the former coaches like a Chaturney who's been a legendary coach for uh, you know Goa and uh, Calcutta clubs and Kerala clubs as well so we've got like all you know all of that but because of the pandemic we've not been able to meet and sit at the edit table and you know uh, put content out so we've been you know chatting on zoom or on whatsapp calls and trying to uh, get those subtitles because a lot of the content is in malayalam and we've been trying to translate it so it's been difficult to put it out but you know we are still putting it out and you know we've been uh, uh, the, the focus of humans of indian football still remains the same is to bring stories of people of stakeholders of uh, you know who are associated with the game and bring them onto the onto the spotlight and probably get a non football audience also to watch it because i think uh, the major issue with football content is that it is only watched by uh, people who consume football so our goal is to make it more inclusive bring a lot of people who otherwise would not watch so for a vlog for I mean, you see the vlogs we've we've done a lot of kerala also in it the culture the places you know that, because that drives people and then of course football being the center of it all so yeah that's how we pivoted with humans of uh, indian football with uh, forza india also we've adapted and uh, you know sort of evolved from you know what we were and i think that that is the major lesson that i have learned from my peers and the mentors that i look up to that, that they keep on improvising they keep on innovating and i think that's that's what uh, makes us stick on an everyday basis no really really, really interesting I mean, i've i've been following it and i think viewers of our show also if you have not you should really go see it i mean so i i got some real good gems over there right? so i was like and when i was seeing it i could feel the whole journey and trust me one of the things i thought was hey, when once this is done i hope they go to east bengal right? i hope they cover that yeah. bit as well because that's the next thing i'm interested in seeing yeah. so perfect hey ajay thanks a lot for coming on the show man and uh, this i think is a really good note to end the show on as well so thank you for coming and uh, yeah have a good and hopefully last few weeks or last few days of the lockdown hey uh, thank you so much aditra for calling over as yeah uh, i really hope that this gets over we are so desperate to get back uh, to the football pitch i can't even tell you uh, every day on whatsapp we have messages from the kids on on you know many groups like sir cup start hoga you know we're missing football and they keep us uh, they keep us sending us videos you know so what we've also done is that we we've sent them like a curriculum pattern to do at home mm-hmm. so simple like you know with our coaches actually making a five uh, exercise kind of thing half an hour ek deewar one ball or ek football or kuch nahi you know without breaking anything so they've been sending us videos but yeah there's 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 no other feeling you know that being on the football pitch and doing it so i hope i hope that we we oh, return yes, oh, yes. Uh, normalcy soon man and i mean seriously it, it's very heartening to know that you know uh, this culture change is happening right so i keep talking about uh, shadow practice karta hai ya cricket mein you hang that ball from a yeah, yeah. thread and you do it what's right. football circle value i think you guys have started doing it so kudos and i hope this carries on and this culture shift keeps happening man thank you for coming on the show ajay thanks sir thanks take care